Hi, and welcome back to the Voice of Healthcare. My name is Bradley Medrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. I am the co-founder of this show along with Dr. Matt Sabolsky. This is my last episode of being on this show. Uh, we have found a much better host <laughs> than me, uh, Dr. Reed McClellan, who I'll introduce in just a minute uh, of Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Being part of this show, uh, Dr. Sabolsky is a childhood friend of mine. It's been a blast putting this together, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the heights that Dr. Sabolsky and Dr. McClellan take it. Bradley, thanks for the kind introduction, and good to be here. I uh, wanted to take a second and talk about something that I um, have recently discovered, which is an interesting um, secured text messaging platform called Quark, which is powered by MedArchon. It's a secure text messaging platform that facilitates efficient care team coordination and collaboration. Uh, as many of you know who are listening, 65% of medical errors are caused by breakdowns in communications of the medical team. Um, that's bad. And medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States. Uh, it's also common knowledge of, for clinicians and others listening to the show that physicians and nurses are busy. It's difficult to keep on top of who's covering whom. And that usually leads to a lot of paging, phone calls, and sometimes a risky, non-secure text message to a colleague. One thing that's unique to Quark is its patient-centric messaging, which results in a more efficient communication style. Uh, a recent physician testimony of the product attested to the value of being able to request and receive a consult on a patient, uh, allowing the both physicians to get what they needed without interrupting current workflows. And they were not in the same side of the hospital, so it was really convenient for them. The good news for us as patients and listeners is that the stats show that only about 92% of hospitals um, uh, are, uh, do not have a secure mess messaging tool and are absolutely interested in upgrading to adopt, to, to adopt one for efficiencies, workflows, as well as privacy in the next one to two years. Um, go to getquark.com to learn more about this product and get a demo. And we thank them for our sponsorship today. Yeah, we'll link to that link on the page on Voice First FM for the show as well. Uh, thanks to MedArchon, a uh, great group. Um, next up, uh, before we get to the Mayo folks, you know, Dr. McClellan, if you just want to take a moment, um, introduce yourself. Uh, really happy that you're coming on board. Um, tell us who you are. Oh. Thank you so much, Bradley, for inviting me to co-host the show. I can only hope to do as great of a job as you guys have been doing over the past two years. Um, I am Reed McClellan. I'm currently a co-founder of Alpha Voice, along with uh, my partner, Matt Sabolsky. And I'm also an adjunct professor at both Harvard Medical uh, and Boston Children's, where I uh, focus on translational medical research, both practicing and teaching that. Uh, my primary focuses in healthcare are vascular anomalies, lymphedema, artificial intelligence, and healthcare technology overall, how to best serve the patient and also make it most efficient for the physician and other care providers. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, you, super impressive guy. Uh, thank you, Dr. McClellan. And so with that, I turn to the Mayo Clinic team. We are 
really privileged to have y'all join us today. Uh, you're doing phenomenal work. It's obviously a uh, very well-known, prestigious organization for many good reasons. I'm, I just want to take a moment and let y'all introduce yourselves. Um, several of y'all are on the line. Um, tell us who you are. Um, tell us a little bit uh, about what each of y'all does for Mayo, and then we'll get into it from there. Hi, it's uh, Sandy Aprothi. I am a Associate Medical Director for Content Management and Delivery here in our Global Business Solutions um, at Mayo Clinic. I also um, am the Chief Medical Editor for the MayoClinic.org. I also do practice um, medicine. I'm a general internist and um, specialize in um, management of women with breast cancer and women at high risk for breast cancer. Hi, I'm Joyce Eben. I am the Vice Chair uh, for uh, Content Management and Delivery here in Global Business Solutions, again, working with Dr. Sandy Apruthi, as well as a whole team of content experts that really focus on providing wellness and health information to consumers. And I'm Jay Maxwell, Senior Director of Health Information here at Mayo Clinic. My role is to help a talented group of editorial uh, content creators develop original health information for all of the major distribution channels, starting with print and web and mobile web and native apps and more recently voice first applications. I'm also a subscriber and regular listener to this podcast, so I'm super excited to be an active participant in the discussion today. And I'm Lee Anchor. Um I'm on Jay's team. Uh, I work uh, in content strategy and development as a senior editor, producing health information for consumers and patients, um, and have been involved in developing uh, our Mayo Clinic first aid voice skill and um, other voice content. And I'm excited to be here. Great podcast. We appreciate all of y'all. Thank you very much for uh, the introductions. Thanks for Doing what you do, uh, super impressive. Um, we're, we're honored to have you. So I wanna start with allowing y'all to sort of paint a picture for us. So um, at the Alexa conference, y'all won an award for the work that you've done with your first aid Alexa skill. So uh, we just assume at this point that the people listening to this show know that an Alexa skill is the nomenclature that Amazon uses to describe what is essentially a voice app for their ecosystem. Um, Mayo Clinic uh, has taken the initiative of diving into voice and creating uh, this skill. Um, if y'all would speak to what is it that you did? What is this first aid Alexa skill? What does it do? Uh, what did you try to do with it? Um, and um, also share with us where, you know, where you see this going next. You've released it. Um, you've, you've learned from it. Um, you know, how do you, how have you come to view this voice landscape and where do you see it going? I know that's a lot, that's a mouthful, um, but I'll, uh, I'll stop talking. I'll let y'all sort of speak to what you've done and, and where you think it's going to go. Well, this is Jay. I'll, I guess I'll start with the the first question regarding the Mayo Clinic first aid skill. We we developed this skill um, over a four-month, roughly a four-month period in 
middle of uh, 2017, the, the skill went live on Amazon Alexa late summer 2017. And our design considerations was to take a, what I would regard as a narrow scope of, of trusted content in our much larger set of content here at Mayo Clinic, because we want, our goal was to, to learn from a deployment of content on a, basically a new, a new channel, which would be of course voice. So we designed the skill around essentially 50 topics. Um, the end user can um, obtain distinct responses um, more narrowly under those 50 topics, but it essentially provides first aid instructions for self-care and guidance for a variety of these first aid topics, which range from baby's fever to a burn to a bee sting and even uh, CPR as well. So it's designed as to provide trusted information uh, it was in, we intentionally uh, kept emergency response services, um, anything along those lines, sort of out of scope. Um, so, uh, generally speaking, that was the approach we took with this first aid skill. It's now been deployed subsequently uh, in the Google platform. We also have a chatbot feature available on um, Mayo Clinic's organizational website. So, uh, we're actually would consider first aid to be uh, an omni-channel experience. So the consumer, or the patients can sort of pick or choose their channel, their device to obtain this information. And this, this is Lee, I'll just jump into with another, a couple other things that we thought about as we were just developing the skill is um, first aid was not it was also it was a limited scope of content, but it was also a good use case for uh, needing content in a really quick hands-free way. Um, so that if you're in your kitchen and you burn your hand, you can just ask for the help you need rather than having to look something up. And um, we also wanted to find out how it would be to what it would what would be the effort to convert our existing content into a voice experience. That's excellent, and uh, and I appreciate that that perspective on it. Um, I'll ask one more question here, and then uh, turn it over to to these gentlemen. But um, I'm curious, what pushback did you get, if any, within Mayo when this was brought up? Um, you know, I just assume, and a lot of the conversations that we have, you know, we're we're studying the field. We know the companies. We know the evolution. Um, you know, we obviously understand that voice is far from a fad at this point. It's just simply <clears throat> a permanent shift into the next era of computing. However, not everyone understands that. I'm curious to hear what pushback, if any, y'all received when when proposing to do this internally and to spend time and money and resources on it, and if you did get pushback if there if there's been a mentality shift um, as a result of what you've done and what you've learned. Can you speak to that a little bit? This is Joyce. I can speak to that a bit. Um, as part of Mayo Clinic, innovation has always been a primary focus as well to be cutting edge. I would say when our team presented this to our leadership team that we wanted to leverage uh, this 
you know, voice capability as an innovation project. That's how we presented it to them, capitalizing on the fact that Mayo uh, really tries to be cutting edge. We, we really had to indicate to them that we're, as part of fostering that culture for innovation, this was a step forward. Um, we had done our research about what research said, a voice, um, and how it would play a part in the future. So we also leveraged the fact that although we've been very successful with our properties like mailclinic.org, which is internet and moving to mobile, that we really saw this as the next generation. I would say initially there was some skepticism about, uh, you know, how quickly would we gain a presence in this space? Are there any revenue opportunities along with this? We did receive quite a few questions around that. What we had to indicate to them was um, the amount of time we would spend and the, the cost of it that we would keep it minimal, that we were beginning to crawl um, before, you know, just get some learnings from it and go from there. I think it took that and then the release of it and the re response of users that we were able to bring back some data to the leadership team to indicate that it was being found as useful that other business models were developing in this space um, to gain some buy-in. And then it actually started getting traction in the organization and others began asking us about it just internally. Dr. Pruthi can probably speak to some more around that as well from her physician colleagues and some of the interests. Yeah, and I think what what Joyce highlighted was it was really an opportunity to learn um, about how Mayo wanted to pursue their work in this voice space, and then what could it do to open up other doors or other projects where we want to continue to share Mayo's trusted information. We also had to understand what do our what does the market want, and I think um, we are fortunate that what we were able to do with Alexa opened doors to under, to be able to share more of our Mayo trusted content on voice in in terms of now first party. Um, uh, efforts with Amazon Alexa. But there's more in this space that I think is exciting is voice is not just all about um, being proactive and, and, and sorry, reactive and giving information. But what we really want to be able to do now is understand where we could have more of a proactive role and um, even further, how could voice um, be used as a diagnostic tool in understanding health um, conditions. So um, it, I think what we initially, Joyce, highlighted was the, the early pushback and skepticism really has now sort of found out that other areas are looking at maybe voice can be helpful in the clinical space and improving efficiency between the patient and the provider. And then as um, another way to, again, benefit from improving the whole patient experience um, in their journey. That's really exciting to me. This is Dr. Sabolsky, by the way, um, that you guys have taken this step. And we're, of course, as Bradley said, really glad that we're discussing this. I have a question for you uh, relative to some uh, questions I had uh, discussed with Lee before the show started. And, um, you know, having these tools are excellent. Um, I think that the uh, important piece of this is not only questions about 
how do we use this on a clinical setting, but also just compliance in general uh, of the patients. You know, medicines are great, but they don't work when you look at them or they don't look, they don't work when they're, they're in the drawer. So when it comes to these skills, these actions, um, the usability and compliance of these tools, what are you hopeful for or what are you looking to gain from the patients in order to support them uh, through their continuum of care using voice? This is Lee. I'll just, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lee. I was just going to say, I mean, part of what we're doing for our, you know, patients and consumers are kind of in many ways the same group. And one of the things we're trying to do is be where they are. So this voice uh, platform is is really the latest in an evolution of providing, uh, meeting our patients' needs, you know, how they need to get it. And I'll let um, others on my team speak to the the broader issues. But um, basically, as far as compliance goes, anything that makes it easier and there's less hurdles for anybody to jump through or have to any kind of um, impediment to either getting the information you need, getting in touch with your provider, or um, being able to uh, provide, you know, send in information that they need is going to help the process. Um, and as one, one thing we've always talked about is that voice comes to us naturally and it's, it's the easiest thing to do. And I think it was one of, it might've been one of you guys, I heard it from Jay, but somebody was saying that voice uh, is um, the only technology, one of the few technologies at least where we have not had to adapt to it, but it's adapting to us. And I, I, I would also add that as Mayo is looking at this, just as Lee uh, indicated, voice, voice is natural. And we know from our own experience that we try to educate our patients about their conditions, about what we want them to do after procedures, et cetera. And we know that currently many of the patients take their pamphlets home with them, but they're uh, tossed aside and they're not really actively engaged with some of that information. So Mayo also conducted a pilot using voice technology for a discharge after a dermatology procedure that they found it was very effective for patient education and that the patient could engage with that education multiple times when they needed it. So I think that's one of the hopes that we have is how can we transform the way we're interacting with patients upon discharge. Uh, There's so much information coming at them when they're in the event itself that if they have another way to interact with the care team through our capabilities to guide them through tasks they should be doing, whether that's some kind of care plan or a discharge plan, we think that could be very effective with our patients. And uh, I, this is Jay. I, I view voice sort of as another um, very powerful tool in the toolkit to deliver trusted health information to, to patients and consumers, as Lee said, wherever they are, but not the only one. You know, we've talked about a little bit earlier about print distribution. There's a role for print still. There's a role for desktop web, mobile web, mobile apps, 
Um, but what excites me a lot about voice is what has been stated a little bit earlier. There is, there may be no more natural way to interact with technology than what I'm doing right now, using my voice to obtain information or to share information or to complete a task. And we know that in, in healthcare, chronic disease management and behavior change, these are hard things that medical professionals for many, many years have been trying to, to conquer or to, to move the needle a little bit further. And if voice can offer another tool or modality to lower those barriers, to reduce the friction, then, you know, I think we have a res responsibility to explore that and, and leverage that tool. Oh, I just want to add one comment as well uh, about voice and, and if we're going to be in the healthcare space, um, I can't emphasize the importance of accuracy of healthcare information and, and delivery of the information. And, you know, I credit the editorial team, Lee and Jay and uh, all of my uh, colleagues here who really worked on taking the, the content that we have today and condensing it and so that when you did get a response, remember it's going to be a single response when you ask a question to uh, a voice-enabled device, that has to be accurate and it has to be relevant to what is being asked if you're going to want to act on it. So I think that that's where um, Mayo has um, developed its um, its expertise and um, and where you know people are asking now, how did you do this and how do you get to that level? Because it, it does take it, it takes some experience, and, and fortunately we've worked in these areas in this past year with with our uh, Amazon Alexa. But I mean, what Lee and her team did was um, even new to them, and but now they've become um, very good at being able to get that most um, important information in that in the question that's being asked, if you don't do that, then the user's not going to come back or, or get the information they want, and that could impact compliance or adherence. Well, this has uh, all been wonderful, and I have to commend y'all that you are true trailblazers in uh, voice as a first application for healthcare. You've touched on it a little bit, but I, I, I want to see if I can't get you guys to talk a little bit more about where do you see the future for you all at Mayo after the first aid? You've talked about your pilot study with uh, care, um, post-procedural care, which is excellent. What are the next steps that you guys are going to do to really affect uh, both patient care and also uh, efficiency for the physician and the uh, mid-level care providers? we're envisioning as doing as a next step is really looking at some of our care plans or care pathways and seeing how we may leverage voice in those daily type tasks that we ask patients to do. So we'll be investigating that more here in 2019 and piloting a few things in that realm. In addition, more activity will be going on around voice analysis to be a diagnostic tool. Uh, and maybe Dr. Pruthi, you'll want to speak about that. Yeah, so um, if we were to understand how with, with 
voice, just the whole artificial intelligence around what voice capabilities and um, understanding the utterances, the voice signal intensity, uh, what our cardiology colleagues here at Mayo um, published um, last year in, um, in our Mayo Clinic Proceedings Journal was exactly how they were able to um, use those voice signal intensities to help um, diagnose the, that uh, an individual was having coronary, had coronary artery disease and think about how that could help in the future um, uh, provide better care at a distance. We also will be trying to better understand how we might be able to go from first party content, which I'm assuming people understand first party, you don't have to download a skill in order to ask Alexa a question. We're, we're now um, in Amazon with first party health information content. But how might you go from some general type of health information perhaps into a third-party skill and then um, is there an opportunity to provide additional services to that consumer through that movement from first party to third party to making an appointment for instance or uh, scheduling appointments those kinds of things um, we really want to understand that better from a uh from a content perspective, in terms of the future, I, I think of it in a couple of different ways. One will be to continue to learn. Um, I, I, we're starting to develop some editorial best practices, but you know we can we're we're learning too. You know, and those that ranges from learning how to produce content in a conversational style, so it's not doesn't have the formality of the written word. The appropriate length, handling pronunciations, match phrases, and so on. So that's kind of one bucket. The other one is how to develop content to to play in a multimodal experience, which I talked about a little bit earlier. So if you think about something like a, a care plan, um, there may be uh, prime opportunities for voice to be the, the first modality that the patient interacts with, but um, we need to learn about where does content fit in there and then what's a graceful handoff to to a web desktop web experience and a graceful handoff to to a printed material and so on. So to me that's the next that's going to be the a challenging and exciting opportunity from a content development perspective is meeting the end user on a growing uh, list of devices and channels and, and providing an optimal experience and seamless handoff to each of those. That's excellent. That's uh, it's, it's going to be fun to watch where y'all take all of this, um, especially getting into multimodal applications and, and seeing where everything goes from here. Mayo Clinic team, Thank all of y'all very, very much for being part of this show with us today. Uh, we greatly appreciate each of you and each of your time. We very much appreciate you having us as part of this. We're excited to continue to learn from all of your listeners as well. Um, so thank you very much for having us a part of your program. Thank you again to MedArchon, uh, the sponsor for this episode and their product Quark. Um, you can go to getquark.com, and that's quark with a C. It's G-E-T-Q-U-A-R-C.com. 
and check that out. Uh, we appreciate them as well. For the Voice of Healthcare, I'm Bradley Metrock. I'm signing off from this point forward. The show will be Dr. Sobolski and Dr. McClellan. Super excited about that. Thank everyone for listening. And until next time.